Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. It's another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd, and I'm glad you're back. Um, I'm Heather Burnt-Santi. I've got Richard Cohen here today, but um, also a very special guest star, Corey Berg. <laughs> Riding the I high. I feel like it's squares. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. The center square. At center square, we have Corey Berg. Riding the high of her NPR article that went viral. Interview that went viral. Oh, gosh. So, Corey, you've been on the show before. Um, but we've got a lot of new listeners over the last few months. So would you just please tell everybody about yourself? Sure. I I am a director of a faith-based center in Dallas, Texas. Uh, The name of my center is Hope Day School. And I run a little Facebook page, ECE from the Heart, Uh with Corey Berg. Uh And yeah, that's it. Okay. That is it. That's okay. Right okay. So um, let me, let me pull this up a minute so we can um, get our conversation going. I didn't, I didn't print out the quote we're using. So I have to go to my shared screen here for a second. Sure. So the article is called parents and edge parents and caregivers of young children say they've hit pandemic rock bottom. And it was an, an interview that you did with NPR. Um, and so let me just get a quote out here. And then we'll start and really you just go wherever you want to go, Corey, once we've done the quote, you get us started. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. what it says here, the people who take care of and educate children under five years old, both parents and providers are in a special kind of hell right now. Yes. End quote. <laughs> it is special and yeah. hell. <laughs> So, so so do you want to start with just kind of how you came to do the interview or do you want to um, jump right into things you want to say about it? Yeah, let me just start here. Just for future reference, let's educate everybody on doing interviews a little bit because I didn't really, you know, this this journalist I've been, I don't know how the heck she found little old me, mm-hmm. just your average preschool director. <laughs> It actually says not your average, but you know, but you it's all have about improved it. I've improved it. Yes. And um, so she was writing a book. And so I actually thought she was interviewing me for her book. I might oh. have not said something that came out <laughs> had I known. Um, I kind of got an inkling after I realized she did Zoom and I've never done Zoom. And then, um, then when she set up a photo shoot and I looked up this dude and his, you know, the last uh, portrait he did, it looked like was the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> so I got a little nervous and then I kind of figured something was up. Oh, no. So Yeah. Um, give us, give us they, an example, Corey, of something you might not have said if you didn't, if you had realized. I might not have said a colorful word <laughs> that went out on. Uh, First line of the article. Morning edition. I was literally, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know what was done with any of it. Uh-huh. And until I was at work about to do, go into my staff meeting and the senior pastor texts me <laughs> and says, oh, my God, you are on NPR morning edition right now. With the tagline, a parent told me to F off. <laughs> no. And I was like, oh my God. And my just, you know, and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. There's other, other people backing up mm-hmm. what you're saying. So yeah. yeah. 
um I get I you know I said a whole lot of other stuff that didn't quite make it so um (laughs) that's how it goes yeah that's the other thing Um, you don't understand when you're doing interviews is that they get to pick and choose which pieces yeah and and I mean I do feel like it the article hit a nerve in a good way and shared everywhere and it was both educators and parents who were sharing it. So I want to make sure that just right off the bat, this is not a parent bashing thing. Mm-hmm. I think the whole point of this article, I mean, that's everybody's favorite cuss word, right? Because you yeah. can use it as every part podcast. of speech. I yeah. definitely have practiced it quite a bit in the past. Definitely my and favorite. in the future. And, <laughs> you know, it just, it's how we all feel right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's tough. And the main thing that I said was just how fractious it is. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard because we as providers, we're still concerned about liability. We're concerned about our employees. We have some parents that want us following the COVID protocols, other ones who don't. Mm-hmm. We've got um, this new guidance for adults. But it's confusing. A lot of people don't realize it's still for childcare. Says exactly the same thing on the CDC that it says. Um, we've got health departments that are telling us something different. Some states you are required to follow the health department. Others not. Mm-hmm. In my state, you've got licensing. Who it depends on who you talk to. And it's really. I mean, I, I honestly, my favorite quote is like further down in that. Everyone <laughs> threw us under the bus. Mm, yeah. So, and, so talk about what that means, Corey. Why, why do you, why did you say, why is that the most important quote for you? Because um, it's like, we're being told to follow these things, but we're dealing with very stressed out, angry parents. Yeah. Some, some, I mean, I think everybody's stressed out. That's for sure. Given, but um, who don't now we have broken their trust because they mm-hmm. it's like they're making think we might be making this up and so in my case I mean I had parents calling the health department calling the licensing um and it, it just has been so tough yeah yeah and just... one thing that for me in the last week has kind of come up from this is realizing we have created this, this idea in, in early childhood specifically, but I think all, in all of education about collaboration with parents, mm. okay? And so there's an expectation now from parents that we're going to collaborate with them on these policies. And yet it's a business. They don't collaborate on the liability. They don't mm-hmm. collaborate on finding the substitute teacher when a teacher now tests positive from COVID passed in the center. Yeah. You know, it's not, not <clears throat> all things. Sorry, my little note fell off. Um, <laughs> not everything is collaborative. Yeah. And, you know, you just said half the par- some of the parents want you to follow the protocols. Some don't. Who, which ones are you supposed to collaborate with? You yeah. <laughs> you can't just, um, you yeah. can't just do that. Uh. <sighs> So you're right in the center of, you know, sort of this other um, national (laughs) phenomenon, which is parents' rights. Yeah. And, and uh, so what do you, what do you think about that whole mess, Corey Berg? (laughs) Oh, God. Um, What I I think is that parents have the right to choose the center that best meets their needs yeah and I don't know how many times I have said that yeah (laughs) you know that each one of us is you know I have a certain I might run a little bit differently if I knew that all of my parents were hourly wage employees that if they don't bring their kids to care they can't get paid Mm mm-hmm but maybe not. I don't know. I, yeah, it's just right. each context is different. Yeah. Ugh, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's like any other conversation about rights. It, you know, we all define it differently. And um, I consider something my right. It's in opposition to your right. So how do we figure this out? And um, 
I think what you said, Corey, is such a good way of thinking about it is that they have a choice. If they don't like, if they feel like I'm violating their rights at my center, they can they can maybe shop around. Everybody's got space. It seems like whether yeah. they have staff is another question, Yeah, but everybody's got space in their programs. <clears throat> and they all know what our protocols are. And it's not until the quarantine hits or something like that, that now suddenly it's like, mm-hmm. well, Hey, dole it back now. And it's like, but you knew this, you yeah. signed on for it. Yeah. In fact, most of us have policies that parents sign that they're going to support it. And, yeah. um, so, yeah. but I think the other piece is there is a, a resonance with the very beginning of the pandemic when we were having so many families that were losing their jobs, but didn't want to lose space in the school. Yeah. And so they were wanting to cut all these special deals. And it's like, you know, I don't know if we can do that. And Mm -hmm. and I love you and I care for you as a family in my school. And yet I am running a business and I can't solve Mm -hmm. all of your family problems. Mm -hmm. And I just realized so much has been put on us Mm -hmm. as the childcare. I I know some people don't like the word, but the childcare industry Mm -hmm. that we are taking the brunt of it. Why aren't the employers helping yeah. out with this? Why think, is it getting pushed down on us? Yeah. Do you think part of it stems from sort of an idea that's plagued our work for as long as I've been aware of our work that um, women are naturally children tenders and, and, and caring people who should be doing this out of the goodness of their heart? Yes. If I could um, log the types of comments that are said to me Mm -hmm. by angry people, the little pieces that are put in there, like, well, now I can't go to a funeral. Well, now we're going to lose our jobs. Well, you know, you're not being such and such. You're not being transparent. You're not being this. You're not. They really try to pull on those cords. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot of mental work to kind of keep it you know, a boundary with yourself. And I'm not always perfect at it. (laughs) I I think this, the same kinds of stresses can be feeding both you in that conversation and the family in that, you know, they have all these things that they need to try and maintain too. Um, So, so it just sort of builds because you're both feeling so much pressure and you both want to do what the right thing is, right. You're not, you're not quarantining or closing down or um, you know, making changes to capacity, for the fun of it, you're doing it right. because you want, you care enough to keep people safe. Um, I think one of the things in that, in that interview that stood out to me so much and really summarized um, a big piece of the issue was when you were, cause you were quarantining from COVID exposure or you oh, had COVID yeah. and, and yeah. then you, and you said, part of me really wanted to have COVID because because then you, oh. you would feel sort of validated in taking that well, time and doing that, I that quarantine. Of, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was worried that I wasn't positive. And in the end I wasn't, I was negative. And then I right. was like, Oh my gosh, first of all, I still could still get sick again and have to redo this all again. Right. Yep. And second, Oh, what are people going to think? You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course you still could anyway. I mean, you can yeah. have COVID more than once, even if you had had it, oh, you can still have true. it again. Yeah. Um, I, I want to just jump in and like sort of make a disclaimer or something um, because Corey, I know you um, mm-hmm. fairly well, kind of. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I experience you as um, an incredibly committed and passionate professional. Yeah, seconded. And I also experience you as someone who work so hard to treat other human beings with kindness and respect. So I just wanna make sure that anyone who's listening to this right now, yes, we did hear Corey just now um, express her frustration with some of the parents in her program, but don't mistake that to think Corey Berg hates all parents. That's oh, not yeah. all the message to take. I am a little worried about that. <laughs> right. That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to be really yeah. explicit about that. That's not the message to leave this with. Yeah. Yeah. It's that even the best of us, which is who I consider Corey Bird to be, can get so frustrated and, and abused, frankly, by various stakeholders in our community 
that her emotions reach this level. And that's mm -hmm. a really different way of leaving this podcast than just, oh, that director was saying mean things about parents. That's not yeah. what I just heard from you. In fact, um, you know, Richard, you know, I'm kind of a spiritual person. So mm -hmm. anytime I have a difficulty with a, with somebody, I spend time like in my head thinking compassion towards them mm -hmm. to help mm -hmm. bring it down and to myself. Like I know, and I know it is, must be infuriating because they can't see really structurally everything behind this. So there's yep. also things like um, whether or not, because sometimes you have cases where a child will test positive and already be quarantining at home before a classroom shuts down. And some centers are able to take them back early and some aren't. It, mm. We really aren't able to. So if a classroom shuts down, it shuts down. I can't put them in another classroom. I can't, you know, we don't have the extra staff. There's privacy issues. I can't really tell parents when different teachers are able to come mm -hmm. back <clears throat> because eventually it'll reveal if somebody had COVID. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's just kind of looking at their individual need that's right in front yeah. of them. And um, I just feel, I, I feel bad, but it's, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, Heather and I did another podcast recently about um, professional love. And mm -hmm. we were talking about how you know, part of being a great early childhood professional is you bring your humanity to work every day. You can't be a, um, oh, I think, oh no, Heather's not frozen. She's just looking. I was okay. just looking at something, yeah. <laughs> looking thoughtfully. Right, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, watch the video and you'll see what Heather just did. <laughs> um, um, the, the only way that we can um, be truly effective at our jobs is to, um, as professionals, be incredibly fallible, imperfect human beings, to express our love towards the people in our community. But what's also true is that it immediately opens up the door for blurriness and confusion. And when you're in a crisis like this, you've done such a good job that these parents think of you as a friend. And when you say, I can't help you, they are hurt as if a friend yeah. hurt them. Oh. Right? By doing your job well, you end up in this position you're in now. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a special kind of hell. It is. And you know what? The same is true outside of pandemic stuff, often with teachers. Yeah. You know, they may be going through something and we love them dearly, but whatever is in their life no longer fits the structure of what we need for our school or a center or whatever it's called, you know, um, whether it's ours or whatever. So it's, it's, it's a common problem. It's just extreme because so it's everybody at once. Right. I can't imagine. I'm, I'm actually scrolling. That's what you thought I was freezing. I'm scrolling oh. to find the email from Corey that had your notes to see if I need uh, to ask any leading questions. <laughs> well, and I just, I think the other piece, cause I've done <clears throat> a lot, I kind of took a bit of a, a break from even writing and stuff on my own ECE page. Cause I was just really just overwhelmed. And right before this, a whole bunch come at, came out. And I think there was there was one post that connects to this that a lot of people resonated with. There was a, a current, there was a theme, this theme of martyrdom mm -hmm. and that we, you know, it is up to uh, the stories that came out from people. I gave birth and two days later, I went back to the center because the chef called in sick. Oh my God. Yeah. So yep. many horrifying things. Our field is not necessarily humane towards its educators. We mm -hmm. have talked a lot about wage, but just the day-to-day -day stuff. Mm -hmm. There were times in the pandemic, my staff could not get bathroom breaks easily. Mm -hmm. I felt horrible. Come four o'clock, 
suddenly everybody's running to the bathroom because there's a little, you know, the numbers are going down. And what I ended up having to do because of the, the staffing shortage is cut my center in half. I now only have four classrooms instead of eight because I just can't get enough staff. Mm-hmm. And I'm only able to do that because I've been really wise with that federal funding that came earlier, knowing I might have to do this eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that's wise. I shouldn't have said that knock on someone, <laughs> but um, it's just, we have pushed ourselves and we have to stop this superhero stuff. We yeah. are just, just average people doing a job and we aren't paid six figures. And, (laughs) and I'm really thinking about, especially these centers that unfortunately teachers don't even get like sick days or paid leave. And so when COVID is passed through, Mm And now they're going to have two weeks without pay. And then when their children get sick from it, and now even more, it's, it's not fair to put them, you know, mm-hmm. where their needs aren't being met. We've got to take care yeah. of our people. That has to be part of the picture. I feel like that is one of the, you know, I've, I've heard people say, <clears throat> I've said it myself probably that a lot of the the crisis things that we're talking about in early childhood right now, we're already there. The pandemic has just really um, amplified. Amplified. Yeah. I was going to say blowing it up, but we already had that sort of martyr um, attitude and that superhero um, kind of thinking about the work we were doing and and guilt if we weren't there and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And now it's just increased the, um, the levels of stress that are, that go along with the behavior we kind of already, um, culturally speaking, American childcare, culturally speaking, um, we're really bought into. Right. And I mean, all service workers, this is resonates with them, but I do think our field is special in that our customers, our families, we see them every day, twice a day. Mm -hmm. So if there's a tension or a friction or a conflict, it's not like, oh, they're just gonna, you know, so they won't come back to our store, Mm -hmm. right? It is, we still have to keep up with them. We're caring for their child. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just, it's so complex and and, and it's hard. I wish I could, it, it, it hurts that I can't take that pain away from them without really, really pushing my own staff and myself included over the edge. And we already did that. We already pushed ourselves over the edge. Right. That's right. We were open. My center has been open that whole dad gum time. We are so tired. Yeah. There's just no more to give. I feel, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm yelling. <laughs> if anyone has a right to yell, right, I say yell away, you know, yell away. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know you well enough to know that, um, you know, cause most people don't think about something like this that someone would care about something like this, but I know you well enough to know that every time you walk by one of those classrooms uh, at your school that are currently the lights are off and there's no one in there. Um, it breaks your heart. And you had to figure out a way to sort of compartmentalize that so Mm -hmm. you could go through the day because you put everything into that place, that space, Uh, and to have half of it empty, it's not just a bad business practice. It's something that is mentally and emotionally painful for you. It's trauma, right? It's trauma that you're going to have to to work Uh, through and your staff will have to work through. Thank you for reminding me, Heather. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so good, guys. I'm glad I'm with friends. I've got to, I got to throw a few buzzwords into every episode so that if people are Googling, they find me. It is, it is. Um, We haven't had a chance to breathe. Yeah. To process. Yeah. Yeah. And the higher up you go, I mean, there's the trauma of the, there is trauma for the teachers who like are trapped in the classrooms. Yep. 
I don't, I don't want to diminish that. I don't know what is harder to be the person in control or the person with no good solution or to be the person who has no control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They both have no control in some ways. Right. But, um, yeah. They're both incredibly just, painful in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was thinking when you were speaking earlier about the conversation that I had had in the last podcast with, with Heather, which was in part about feminist ethics. And I thought, you know, if our field field were 99% men instead of 99% female, um, we wouldn't be, uh, people would be getting paid leave and we wouldn't be overstressed and martyrs. That martyrdom thing doesn't Mm -hmm. tend to happen in the world of men. Yeah. And not as many people coming in to yell if, if the person they're yelling at that's right is is a man then that's it's, right it's you know yeah there is some weird stuff with that you know like when there's you have a family with a mom and a dad and the mom sends the dad in to talk oh, to you yeah one of my um, favorite things across my career has been the yeah. angry dad being sent in to, yeah, to yeah. and I have had um, and 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 I've I've had a lot more women getting upset with me in this, mm-hmm. which also has this weird, you know, most of my parents are there. OK, let me back up. There was a moment in my interview with Anya Kamenetz, the mm-hmm. journalist, where I brought this up about we just deserve respect. And I, and this is what came out. I said, these parents, they don't know. I have a master's degree that I've been in the field for 30 years. They don't know that I know everything about running a business and the taxes and the liabilities. They don't know that. And then I went, wait, it doesn't even matter that. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I have a master's degree or any degree. I still deserve respect. Mm-hmm. Every single person in here does Mm -hmm. that the class issues you know um it's it's tough to kind of keep yourself with that sense of I deserve to be here and to be taken care of just as much as the child and as the parent does Mm -hmm. and I as the leader this is another one for me because this has just been in the last couple of weeks you know, I pour so much into my staff, but I have to be taken care of too, Mm -hmm. because if I'm not taken care of, like bad stuff happens too. (laughs) Right. You know, I start breaking down. It's made me rethink child centered, to be honest. I know that's like kind of a scary thing to say out loud, especially on the early childhood nerd. It is. is. Say what you mean by that. What I mean by that is that you, it can't be just about the child. It has to be, you have to take care of the people that they relate to. Sure. And, and I mean, obviously you can't run a a business if you're not taking care of the parents in some way, Uh but it can't be a priority or at the expense of the educator. Uh Sure, and I we were already that. pushed. We were so pushed <laughs> yeah. that then this just like poof. I don't yeah, know. Definitely, definitely. I think. So, it, I mean, so- it really has shown a bright light on that, Corey. That um, uh, if the if the people that we're counting on to provide a child centered experience aren't you know, the best they can be on that day aren't um, feeling supported or, you know, rested or haven't been able to pee in five hours, um, Mm -hmm. then then we can't expect them to give those rich um, experiences and opportunities and interactions with the children that we mean when we talk about being child-centered. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Richard, were you about to say something? 
I was going to say about a month or so ago, I posted something on, on my Zen page. I don't remember what it was, <clears throat> but it was about compassion and um, something about systems. Until we can create compassionate systems, we won't ever experience compassionate work lives or something mm. like that. And wow, there was a whole flurry of Zen readers that I had to ban directly after that one. And you won't be surprised, right? And you won't be surprised to know that they were all white males. Um, because <laughs> what they, did they all think? immediately commented and was like, you know, what is this, what is this pie in the sky bullshit? You yeah. can't have a system that's compassionate. Compassion and system work don't go hand in hand. Mm. So you're gonna have to figure something else out. Delete, delete. <laughs> but that's Aye. what we find ourselves in yeah. in this patriarchal world. We're trying to create, uh, we're trying to figure out a new system with no frame of reference. And not only that, we're, we're trying to create it in an environment where even the idea is met as hostile um, by, the, by the people who benefit from the system. If that makes sense. But. Yeah. Well, you're, you know, it's like any time that you put a long accepted way of thinking under a microscope, the, the ones who would be impacted by a change, um, well, the ones who feel like they would be negatively impacted by a change mm -hmm. are going to be very loud and very vocal and very against yeah. it. Yeah. Right. I know this is what I want to say. I finally got the head back in my head. Okay, good, good. That parents don't realize how finite we are. You know, I mean, there were a couple of times I did have to shut down classrooms for a day because I just did not have any staff to go in there to care for those children. Mm -hmm. And I've never had to do that before. We would move everything if that meant, you know, we would do crazy stuff to cover a classroom, yeah. crazy stuff, like yeah. a schedule of, okay, you're going to go in there for 10 minutes and then I'll be in there for five minutes. And then, okay, I'll answer the phone, like crazy stuff yeah. we've done for years and years mm -hmm. to make sure that care continues. And now we hit a spot where that just isn't possible. And mm -hmm. it's like, do you not believe us? Yeah. How is <laughs> it possible you don't have any people? Anybody could do this work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How's it possible you don't have enough people if you could just is it pull in any woman off the us? street? Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, is it that they don't believe us or that they're so self-absorbed self in their own pain and fear sure. and trauma right now yeah. that they they haven't even taken the time to consider it's us? Survival mode, right? And, yeah. I mean, I, I would hesitate to say self-absorbed just because of the way I don't mean that's that usually a... used. Yeah, but they're just consumed with their own needs meeting to survive to survive and yeah yeah we've never talked about it with mm. them right. that's yeah. part we are part of this we have created you know whatever is going on okay we got to be professional put on that pollyanna smile when you hit that door come four o'clock when parents start coming in to pick up you better kind of jive it up no matter what is going on. And, um, you know, when it comes to advocacy, I was thinking about that this morning. We're not going to, we have to start telling the truth mm. because if, if we can't be the only ones advocating. We need the parents advocating yes. too yeah. in their workplaces yep. and higher up. It, it, we're not powerful enough on our own. I mean, we're mighty powerful, but yeah. we are finite. I, I think that most of the changes that I would like to see in um, childcare, early childhood programs, early, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, really depends on or would be more feasible, more achievable if we could get the parents to, to be advocating with us or demanding the change themselves. Because then there's always that, you know, the customer is always right and the parent's the customer. And so whatever they expect should be what we're doing. And that's not how it works either. And if they, if they heard, like you're talking about Corey, some of the reasons behind the difficult decisions or the reality of getting through a day during the best of times, then um, the, you know, that just gives them a different perspective to operate out of. 
Well, okay, I'm going to tell us. Oh, go ahead, Corey. Okay, so here's the part where it gets really mind. <sighs> okay. We got to go back to why is it that we as a field have taken on this martyr thing? Yeah. Okay. I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. We did not get the same level of respect as every education, uh, you know, sector above this age group, right? We didn't get that respect. So what do we do? Okay. I'm going to try to fit meet every single need of yours. Cause maybe then you'll respect me. Uh, Maybe you'll respect me if I'm open six 30 to nine o'clock at night, maybe you'll respect me if, Oh my God, there are childcare centers here that have haircuttings places in the child care yes. center, yep. you know, where we'll do swimming lessons and karate and, oh, let's add um, this, you know, let's just do more and more for that um, so that you will love us and you will value us. And that has added to it mm-hmm. and it hasn't made us feel good. At least I don't feel good. Maybe I shouldn't speak for all of America's childcare providers. <laughs> yeah. Well, for some, it's not a desire to be loved and respected. It's a desire to be fully enrolled, and and you know we're already um, you know operating on a shoestring, and so we just want to keep. You know, my board wants me to keep one hundred percent enrollment all the mm-hmm. time. Mm. Love and kindness is like I don't even have time to think about that. <laughs> You know, especially the directors who work for large uh, franchised corporations. Oh, yeah. Enrollment, enrollment, enrollment. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and those are the same directors. Yes. Those are the same directors that are telling me, yep. you know, my area supervisor says it's my job to just take the heat from parents. Yep. You know, and the messages that we tell each other. If you're feeling bad because of the abuse, it is abuse in many cases Mm -hmm. that you have that, you know, if you're, if you're feeling bad or you can't handle it, well, gosh, it's just part of the job. You just got to develop a a thick skin and it's like, no, it's wrong. Right. It's wrong. That I just have to wonder about, um, what that means for the person saying it, like don't you wish for something better? Don't you wish that it wasn't part of the job? (laughs) Why are you, why are you defending it being part of the job when we could be talking about changing that or, or improving that or making it less likely to be part of your job? Yeah. I think that's something I'm trying to learn is how to, how to think more about the person. First of all, I'm really being thoughtful about the messages, the subtext to what uh, people are telling me. Mm-hmm. And then also exactly like, like, what, what does that really mean? Why are you saying that? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you want it to be better? Yeah. yeah. Well, in the case of those large corporations, because, you know, I sold my soul to the devil for four years. I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but yeah. And I figured it out and I, I tailed it out of there, but, um, you know, those directors report to area managers who report to district managers. And the higher up you get, the salaries get bigger and bigger exponentially. And you become accustomed to um, having all that money. And the way to do it is to crack the whip uh, at the people below you who crack the whip at the people below them who are barely making any money Mm -hmm. so that you can live as nicely as you've been living. And, um, the, the needs of real human beings are not what the, what the shareholders care about. Hmm. Oh, goodness gracious. This is getting depressing. <laughs> right? right? Maybe we need to, somebody tell it a funny is, story. <laughs> but you know what? On top of that, I just want to add a little thing because um, there are a lot of owners who see that as success. And so they are like, okay, let me get another site. Let me Mm -hmm. get another one. And that's going to be the sign of success. And right now I'm, I'm kind of talking to somebody who's one of my friends who um, went from, I think it was a home center, family childcare center to a, a building. And 
she's having a tough time. She's really regretting it. Mm. It wasn't success for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that story a lot. Yeah. Family child care owners who they've done it now for a while. They want to take something bigger on. And so they decide to, to transform into a bigger building and a more, and a sort of a small center format mm-hmm. and or add more homes home. say it again or open more homes i've seen right. that happening too wow. yeah. mm-hmm. and time and again um it does not provide the fulfillment they had been hoping for mm-hmm. and it just provides far more stress yeah. than they had understood hmm. so, so Corey, i'm curious since the article came out what what has your life been like? What have you, what feedback have you gotten from, from the world? Um, well, I definitely had a ton of people messaging me and saying things like, you're speaking my truth. It's resonating. Thank you for saying mm-hmm. what is really happening behind the scenes. Um, just so much, you know, somebody who said that they had to put a restraining order out on a parent. It's so extreme. Some of this stuff, you know, directors, I've just been hearing this too. How many people I know who are having teeth issues because we're grinding grinding our teeth teeth at night. Almost. I mean, uh, so many. Yeah. It's so hard. And, and just for me, For me personally, it has, you know, I'm just trying to process, okay, what just happened? Cause that's really weird seeing my face places Yeah, sure. (laughs) and processing how I feel and what I just revealed. Cause I, I do feel kind of exposed and processing other people's response to that. And it's really kind of some of my good friends that you know, some of them are like, oh my God, you got to get pictures of yourself happy with children uh, right away. <laughs> and, you know, just worry for me, yeah. worry about both like what was projected and can you handle speaking for people? Mm. Like, can you do that and still run a center? Because it is a lot. People have but been I think people doubting you on that to. for a couple of years now. And you've proven them all wrong. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll second that. What about too. your immediate parent base? How have they responded? Very quiet. Mm. So they don't want to um, show up in your next interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I had one parent send me a really nice email. I had a parent. One former parent sent us a message through Facebook. I had a parent who had left in kind of a really difficult situation. A child had accidentally knocked a tooth out or something and really blown up at me and pulled their kids out, who wrote something so nice and wonderful. And it just showed me sometimes it just takes time to let things work out. But I haven't heard much from my families. And I'm going to be honest, I really haven't heard that much from them through the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what has been affecting me is Mm -hmm. there. I mean, I just I personally haven't gotten a whole lot of gratitude. And and it's not that I have ever been one to kind of I need this. I need this because I'm creative and I feel good just doing stuff. And I've done cool things in the pandemic that I've never done before. That's what really feeds me, but I just don't, it's not necessarily gratitude, but at least just don't get in my way of trying to provide a quality center. Mm -hmm. Don't make it harder than it is. And that's what I feel like is happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to um, diminish what you're saying. And so it also occurs to me that this is our profession's version of what's happening in the airline industry, what's happening in, uh, you know, in um, consumerism and stores. Um, 
people are losing their minds around the country and this is the way it's showing up in our world. And yeah, a lot of people who are grateful to you because no one had really painted that picture mm-hmm. specific to our world just yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone who loses it. their shit on an airline makes yeah. the news, but someone who loses their shit at a childcare center doesn't, you know, goes unreported. Yeah. I did lose my shit. <laughs> on somebody inappropriately it was Do on a guy. <laughs> i did i went home on a friday i don't get home until after seven and i wanted pizza and those darn cinnamon sticks and it showed up without the cinnamon sticks oh and i God. called them and all <laughs> yes. of the frustration of everything of running a childcare center went into whoever that poor manager was yeah so i did it too I yes. did it yeah. too. Yeah. And they delivered it to me. And now I just feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you been able to have some compassion for yourself and forgive yourself for that? Um, oh God, that's so what a big question for the near, the near end of an episode. <laughs> it is. It compassion is a daily, daily practice. Mm. And I do think it's the way to go, but it is deep because you cannot just live on compassion for others. You do have to put yourself in that equation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is tough. That's some deep inner child work, Richard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Richard. Yeah, I mean, it's particularly tough if you don't have any frame of reference. You, any person has frame of reference for that. If you, if you were not, if you didn't have grownups in your life who modeled self-compassion for you, if you never, you know, um, explicitly learned that skill when you were younger and now you find yourself as an adult and someone says oh have compassion for yourself it's nice but you have no idea how to do it and your brain has been habituated to um beating yourself up Mm -hmm. you don't even know how to do that not in the really deep deep alone with myself late at night waking up at 2 a.m way we have it in the okay i can you know go to work and feel good about my work kind of way, but not in that real deep, my needs matter way. I suspect that's true for Heather and I as well. It's pretty human what you just described, I Mm -hmm. think. And I think it's what brings us to work with children. It's like we're, we're in touch with our own fragility and that's why we're able to be so good at our jobs. It's that whole freaking wounded healer thing. Mm Yes, it is that whole freaking wounded healer thing. Yep. And it <laughs> that might be the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that. Heal the freaking oh. healer with Corey Bird. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of process versus product. Yeah, everything you know, does. The, 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 the hard thing about process in a society that doesn't value it is you keep waiting for some like, oh, now I'm done. Now mm-hmm. I know. Now I'm healed. And that's not how life works. Yeah. You're just always healing and you hope you're better today than yesterday. And like, that's as good as we can ever do. Mm-hmm. We're just always in process. And that sucks when you want a problem. When you want, when you want a stable ground that will never change. Mm-hmm. And so it's learning to accept the, you know, waves. Yes. Oh my goodness, this is deep. <laughs> I know. I don't know how to wrap it up, but we kind of should think about wrapping it up. We've been <laughs> going for a while now. If people are still listening by now, I mean, right. everybody just leave because we can't stop talking. We can't. We can't figure this one out. Except well, it's I'll prompt. just say, I want to give Corey the last word, but yeah. I'll just say, um, you know, in this last couple of years, um, one of my greatest heroes has been Corey Bird. And that's not because she's not your, your average director. It's because she is your average director. She is a fallible human being, no better, no worse than anyone else. She's just a human being who's doing the best she can every minute of the day with as much grace as she can dig up. And she fails a lot and succeeds even more. <laughs> and I don't know how any human being could do any better than that in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, Richard. Yeah, I just um I just want everyone it is so messy and I really think the only 
way through is to have somebody that you can tell your truth to, but don't stay there. Don't Mm. stay in the complaint, whatever it is to try to figure out your mindset for the next day or looking at and seeing what are we learning here? I'm learning some deep stuff about martyrdom that I know is going to change my life. It is quite painful right now, but I'm learning some deep stuff and I'm going to make some changes. Mm -hmm. And I think other people are too. Yeah. Don't stay in the complaint is also brilliant. That's a, just that phrase is wonderful. It's Mm -hmm. I may have gotten it from my coaching session yesterday. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, um, I'll pass that one on. Nice coach there. Thank (laughs) thank your coach for me, please. Mm -hmm. Because that is a a really good, um, I guess, summation, sort of a summary of what we've been talking about is these are, these feelings are all real. The, the stresses and the experiences and the hurt that sometimes come up are all real. Um, but we can't just sit there. Um, right. Even if it's just a tiny little, you know, tiny little step, we can, we can always move in another direction a little bit at a time. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm actually sitting here getting, getting a little emotional because I'm thinking about Heather for a second here. I was just thinking the same thing. Well, I'm not doing anything. Astounding human beings. What you've been through in this last year and the grace with which you carried yourself is, uh, I mean, I I hope I can bring even a small part of that into my life. And I'm so thankful to both of you for being a part of my life. Thank you, Richard. Yep. Um, There we go. Richard's crying. Corey's making hearts. I just want to hug everybody right now. I, I really want a real person hug so bad. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Maybe someday. Soon. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But we better really wrap it up now that Richard's okay. crying. <laughs> yep. She's been um, strong ass women take it home. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I just want to thank you, Corey. I know that this experience has been uh, tough for you and that you've had a lot of feelings since the art, since that interview came out and lots of attention. And so I thank you because it's important, but also, um, I hope that, I hope that it doesn't weigh on you. Um, it's getting a little lighter each day and spending time with my friends here, my nerdy friends here. Yeah. I'm so glad that you came on. It was a good part of the process. So thank you. Good. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. And for being on and being willing to just talk, open yourself all up again, um, to the same kind of thing. I think that's, um, that's a lot of courage and, and commitment and integrity, uh, which I appreciate. Yeah. Okay. Really. I'm going to hit stop now before we start another, um, (laughs) circle of love going on here. Okay. Thanks for being here. Both of you. Thank everybody. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode and we will see you again next week. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.